What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. This is episode 14, featuring Vince Maltz. He is a former pro hockey player and current owner of Bloodline Hockey, which you can check out at bloodlinehockey.com. Vince is big on mindset development through sport, so the mental side of hockey is something he knows is crucial and a big focus for him over at Bloodline Hockey. Let's get to the interview. Welcome, Coach Vince of Bloodline Hockey. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, so yeah, just um, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself and talk about Bloodline Hockey and what you guys got going on over there. Yeah, yeah. So I've been um, coaching officially like over 20 years. I've been professionally now where it's been my full-time uh, commitment has been what okay, we're coming on now 15 years. So it's been quite a journey on that end. Uh, start out, my original love was with player development inside of coaching. I'd always been about, I had, how do we get the most out of guys and zone in on that from an individual standpoint and, um, and just always kind of, you know, pushing the envelope on that. And so bloodline eventually what it started off with is we initially start as evolving athletes, which is still the name of our parent company. And then eventually morphed into about uh, six years ago, it turned into bloodline hockey, which is now basically focused in on mental performance, mindset development, helping players truly understand how to maximize their own identity, how to become self-aware, critically think through situations, uh, become more creative, things like that of that nature. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's where we are today. And the things are always evolving now, obviously amidst all the uh, craziness that we're going through, but, uh, but yeah, that's the short version of it. Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, we started this, uh, this podcast here called Monkey Mind. Mm-hmm. And for us, um, we've both dealt with uh, anxiety and depression right. and how uh, being an athlete just kind of adds an extra component on top of that. And it's yeah. like an extra stressor and how, um, you know, we love hockey, but it can also, uh, you know, it's, it's led us to make some tough decisions. And we, at one point, we both have walked away from the game this past season because yeah. uh, the anxiety got so bad. Um, so if you can just kind of uh, talk about, you know, as you know, you've, you've played for 30 years. So yeah. um, you were in the QMJHL, you played pro. Yeah. Talk about kind of your journey as a player and, you know, maybe some of the things that you dealt with um, on your way up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, coming up, I had interesting, like in the youth realm, um, where it kind of started of where the different things of, you know, you try to understand your identity. So like one of the things I remember, you know, as a young player, I was growing up during the age of where it was, you were in essence um, to almost two years younger than the rest of the guys. Cause back when I was coming up, there was only the one, there was squirt, peewee, ban, just, just the one age group. And that was it. They didn't have it divided later on. It became, you know, peewee major, minor, all that stuff. So I'm a November 30th birthday on top of it. So I was able to end up playing um, and where a lot of times I was always the youngest guy on the team. So I kind of started off with, you know, growing up when I think back to the youth part of where um, going through different experiences where being the younger guy, obviously you're going through some of the hazing stuff and all that normal type of stuff that kids do back then. 
Uh, but one of the biggest things that I remember was, you know, two instances that I had gone through was that was interesting. That kind of shape, started shaping the dynamic was playing for one coach who never understood exactly, uh, you know, what the deal was, you know, why suddenly, literally it was one of these situations where we're at a tournament in September, beginning of the season, playing a ton all weekend long, everything fine, put up, you know, 11 points, something like that. Great weekend. We come back after that weekend, boom, I'm benched. And literally this went on for the remainder of the season to the point of where my dad literally is like, you know, you want to meet somewhere and I'll kick the shit out of you right now. Like crazy stuff like that. (laughs) And, and so that was like my first taste of going through with a coach where it's like, I don't get it. What did I do? What didn't I do? I wasn't getting any feedback. And so I remember that kind of being one of those first situations of like, I don't understand it. How can I fix it? Um, Because for me, when I was younger, I just, you know, I was very much all about, I just want you to like me. What can I do? I was like a a people pleaser, coach pleaser. So like whatever you need a coach, I'm there to do it for you. But I didn't deal well with, you're not telling me you're playing head games with me and not letting me know what to do. And that really kind of set the tone that moving forward in other situations. Right. And then, um, you know, then as I evolved into juniors and, and started to get older, um, you know, there was instances that where similar patterns would show up of not getting clarity on what needed to be done. Um, but by then I started to kind of grow out of that. And then it just started to get more as an angry force behind it. So instead of, you know, when I was younger, it might've been in a situation where I don't get it. What was me? I feel sad. As I got older, it started to then transform more into anger of like, well, why aren't you playing man? What's going on? And why aren't you telling me what's going on and all that stuff. And so, you know, I kind of, started to get over it without really knowing how other than as time went on, you know, I put a time, a lot of time in as a kid, I, you know, I growing up, I played a lot of different street hockey, roller hockey. I grew up in the street. So we played a ton of football, basketball, soccer, whatever we could get our, you know, our bodies into athletically. So developed a lot. And from that, eventually at 17 years old, this thing developed of where I was, good player, good player, high end, all that stuff, but not really recognized to, I suddenly started working out, went to the gym and took it to a different level. And literally within a year, you know, I get, I'm getting drafted. Um, things are changing really fast. Like it was just one of those kind of like, whoa, whirlwind. Um, and so to kind of fast forward, so spent a couple of years in juniors, I end up getting picked up by Hall Olympics and I end up getting a bad injury to my ankle. Um, I get drafted in 98 in the summer of 98, uh, when the season starts back up, pull my back out, can't go to Vancouver's camp drafted by Vancouver, can't go to their camp, you know, the team, all right, Hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to be fine. All that stuff. Awesome. I'm playing for the whole Olympics at the time. And next thing you know, literally the first game back after my back injury. So I'm out for about six weeks. First game back from my back injury. Uh, I go, try to go around a defenseman. I'm trying to go wide on. So I'm right playing right wing at the time, trying to go to the outside, just entering the offensive zone. And as I try to go out wide, I get clipped. And this is literally my second shift of the game, you know, 10 minutes into the game, I get clipped on my hip and my body gets turned and I go into the boards with my left skate where it catches between the ice and the boards and my ankle just completely gets like just crushed. So literally, instead of it being a clean break, 
my tendons, ligaments, everything just got completely stretched out. It's almost like, think of it like almost just like a hanging kind of Gumby-ish. Like mm-hmm. I, the doc was just like, you would have been better off just clean breaking it. Like it's, it was an absolute yeah. mess in there. Yeah. And so from there, trying to make my way back of, you know, uh, you know, after that injury, it was, it mentally set me back. There was a lot I didn't understand and it messed me up pretty good for quite some time after that of, you know, it's the kind of like one of those stories, right. Of where it's just like you get injury and the injury kind of set me back on my journey. And so that's kind of like where it all began of the initial pieces from the youth to the junior to making my way into pro and then dealing with that anxiety and all that stuff of like, all right, trying to figure out, you know, you, I don't have an agent that's explaining things well to me, the coaching staff, they just want you to play, come back after the injury and play. There wasn't much of that. Hey, how can we really like dig into what's going on with you? Let, let us develop you as a player and help you understand that it's going to take time and it's okay that you're injured, all these different things. And none of that stuff existed back then. And so then once I went into the pro game and, I tried to make my way back. That was where at that time ran into so many different coaches that just, just didn't have that. I'm going to explain things to you. Here's why you do it. Here's what we're going to do. The pro game was just very simple. It was, you come in, do the job. If not kind of, you know, part of my French, I go fuck yourself and that's <laughs> it. it's over. Right. So, you know, it's, it was just, and that's how the journey in essence then began from the youth part into the pro realm of where it just started to make me realize of how much the player development piece is just not zoned in on to help players out. You know, um, it's kind of weird you say that because uh, we just did a uh, episode, just the two of uh, Danny and I, and um, what you said sounds pretty similar to both of our journeys. Um, and I was saying I had hip surgery uh, last May and um, that's kind of where it all um, really started to hit me hard um, in regards to the anxiety because it was my yeah. first surgery. And, you know, as a competitive hockey player, just like everyone else, you, you're scared that you're not sure if you're going to be able to bounce back to the player you were or somebody's going to kind of see you as the player you were, even though you're coming off the injury. So yeah. um, that was definitely um, a big thing for me, but, Going off what you said um, about as a younger kid, you just want to do kind of whatever you can to get the coach to like you. Did you ever find yourself um, having the anxiety of kind of not knowing what the coach wanted or what you had to do to the point where, um, you know, you're kind of getting away from the game that made you a good player and trying other things. And then it kind of just started spiraling over and over again. Oh yeah. Like, can you just go on a a bit about that? Cause. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's especially after the injury, like when I came back, you know, I'll never forget, you know, the rookie year going into the ECHL and starting to play pro. And I remember the coach at the time, you know, it was like one of those things where sat down and, you know, I knew that the average pay for, you know, most of the players was somewhere between four fifty and five fifty a week. Right. And so, you know, the coach looks at me and he goes, he's like, well, you know, I can give you three twenty-five, which was like the, just the base minimum on it. Right. And I just remember like going like, well, I mean, you know, listen, got drafted. Like, I feel like could do more and all that stuff. And he's like, well, what, you don't want to play. So I guess you don't want to play then. And I remember that first instance there of like, no, 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 I do want to play. 
And so I was like, no, I'll, I'll sign it. It's all good. Like I'm in, yeah. I'll, I'll sign it. And so that was kind of like one of the first instances. And then from there on, you start to play at the pro game. And, you know, my rookie year, I did great, you know, in the league, you know, in the ECHL, I ended up putting up something like, what was it like uh, 25, 26 points in 38 games, solid rookie year, right? Stuff like that. And then after that, I get into a situation where I come across where, you know, I, I go, up, go to another team in the ECHL. There's coaching changes, GM changes. It's an absolute disaster. And then by the time, you know, another coach comes in, it turned into one of those things where this coach saw me as nothing but a fighter. And yeah. if I wanted to play, the only way you were going to play was as a fighter. And it was like, no, you're a, you're a fourth line, third line kind of, you're going to go fight and do that when it's like, well, wait a second. I got drafted as a power forward who can score, be on the first line. I played my rookie year, put up really good numbers. The whole team is literally a bunch of green jackets. And, <laughs> and what's, what's great is you can go on hockey TV and it's like, that is the weirdest stat ever. Like I always show the boys. I was like, go check out my rookie season of how everybody on the team is green jacket. And then look at me. And the guys are like, how are you a plus eight on a team of like minus 60? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you had kind of like that science to back up and then there's a situation, right? And, and that kind of followed me in the, in the coast where in these different situations where either A, a coach saw me as, yep, you're a first line power forward kind of guy or B, you're a third line, 10th guy that's just going to fight. There was no middle ground. So depending on the situation I was in, it was a real roller coaster because this guy saw me as this and just wanted me to fight and didn't really explain much. This other guy saw me as like, hey, uh, just you know, play the game, do your thing, and uh, would just like let you be, but then at times wouldn't. Like, it was just like such a roller coaster. So, so that was the part where at the pro level, I'll, I'll never forget one of my first conversations with a coach where I just went in and I was already more mature at the time at 25. And I sit with this coach and you know, this is, I just remember I was in Rockford at the time and I, I come into the coach. I say, Hey, listen, I get it. You can get frustrated with me, but I just need you to tell me what you need. Just talk to me. If you just, if we just have conversations and you talk to me, I'm telling you, I'll go through a wall for you, but I just need you to talk to me like a human being. And that's it. And I'll never forget how, the look on his face, number one, was just like, okay, you're weird. And I'm like, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but, but what was crazy was after that, just, no, I'm not going to talk to you. Like, no. And so that was kind of like the, you know, that it, like those are the experiences, right. Of going through where you just want to know what to do. But that was a really big struggle for me because I'm such a, like, explain to me, help me understand. And yeah. And for so long, there was just so much of that. You're talking to the boys, you know how it is with the boys. I mean, especially at the pro game, one of the things that's really different is, and I think it's different with the guys today, but back then you had to be careful with how you talk to guys. And I think even today it still exists in some way, but like not everyone's your buddy. Not everyone's really trying to help you at the pro game. And you have to be careful of those conversations that you're having because a rat will turn around and go give it to somebody else. And at the pro game, you're screwed like that. And so you know, I was kind of stupid in that way and, and ignorant, whatever you want to call it, where I, I trusted certain people and they weren't people I should have trusted. And so it was, it's just, a, it was a different kind of style, but that was one of the big things for me is I realized a lot of these situations were happening just because of at the end of the day, you just didn't really know what was expected of you and, and whatever the coach expected of you is what they expected, but you had to figure it out for yourself of what they expected of you. They weren't mm -hmm. going to tell you what that expectation was. Yeah.
Yeah, that, that's uh, one thing that I noticed too is there's a, a lot of that gray area between coaches and players sometimes, yep. uh, and it's super frustrating. I'm just like you in the, in the aspect where, where um, <clears throat> like, just spell it out for me. Tell me what you need Same. from me. You know, like, I'm willing to do that. Whatever it is, yep. just tell me. But there's, like, a period of time where you're just, like, playing a guessing game. Yeah. And it's helping nobody. No. And, and I think that, um, that that can really take a toll on guys. And I think that that's why – so, with you, you're big on the whole mental aspect of the game. How important um, do you feel sports psychology and, and teams having a sports psychologist – can help kind of bridge that gap between coaches and players? Because I honestly don't think that um, sometimes coaches are doing it on purpose. I really don't think that they are. I think it's right. just a, a disconnect in communication. Right. Exactly. But I think exactly. when you, when you had that sports psychologist there, like we had at Maine, we had um, a gentleman by the name of Doc Wally. And hmm. uh, I would speak to him all the time about just some personal issues that I had going on. And, and he kind of helped me, get a different perspective because you can't go to your parents because everyone's parents are going to tell them that they, you know, that they love them and that they're doing fine. They're great. Keep working hard. And then your buddies on your team are sometimes not going to be entirely honest with you sometimes because they just care about you as, as a person. They don't want to hurt your feelings sometimes. And maybe they just have a different perspective too. But I feel like when you get that, that sports psychologist involved who is in with the coaches in with the players and is kind of that middleman, yeah. I think it can really help out a lot of players um, with getting the message across and stuff like that. So how, what's your perspective on that uh, and sports psychologists working with teams? Yeah, hundred percent. So it's the label of sports psychologist, right? Cause a lot of what I've seen with sports psychology is like, it's like we've had several players that went from being with a sports psychologist and came to us. Right. And we're like, all right, this was just such a different experience of, of being able to help me out. And, so from the label standpoint, I like to look at it as you look at the New Zealand All Blacks, right? And you look at their culture. Their culture is very much based on there's a physical component to what we do and there's a mental component to what we do. And both are equal. They get the same amount of training time, the same amount of care. They have you know, a culture coach on staff that works and makes sure that always keeps that top of mind. So that being said, I feel a sports psychologist or that part of psychology is just one part of other pieces that have to be a part of this, right? It's not just the sports psychology piece that I feel that players are struggling with mentally, right? I think a lot of the stuff of the reason why there's so many issues with mental illness or, you know, wellness and all that stuff that you want to look at it is players aren't clear. They, they don't have a clear definition of who they are as players. They don't know what that actually means. There's no education on how the mind works in general. Right. So like players just don't even know, you know, just in general, this is how thoughts work. This is how feelings are, all that stuff. Right. So when you put that together with, well, I don't know exactly what's expected of me from the coach. I don't know what my identity is naturally as a player, like as an example, right. Am I a goal scorer? Am I a power forward? Or am I a shutdown style kind of player? Right. When I know what that is, I can build around that. And especially at the pro game, that's a huge difference, right? It's like you really have to understand your role if you want to have a job and all that stuff. So I think 100% there's a need and a, a definitely a place with sports psychology, but I think it's bigger of you need to have more ingredients in the mental toolbox of what that is. It's not just a sports psych. It's a mental performance. It's a, a, how, to, how to explain how you know, uh, the team's dynamic works, you know, social science, 
social, social psychology, mm-hmm. right? Creativity. Like there's all these different aspects uh, that surpass just what sports psychology does. And that's it, right? Positive psychology, neuroscience, behavioral psychology. Like there's all these different aspects that that's what I feel like now, just like you have a team of, well, we have an assistant coach, right? Uh, a couple of assistant coaches, strength coach, and everybody kind of has a couple of assistant coaches. So you're going to work the power play. You're going to be the PK specialist, all this stuff, right? The mental game and the mental part of this needs just as much equal footing as like what they do with the all blacks, right? Where one of the best cultures, arguably, you know, on the planet, they treat it as it's equal and equal part. And I think just having, Hey, we just have one sports psych and that's it isn't enough. It's a bigger scope of when it comes to the mental part of this thing that, that needs to be appreciated more mm-hmm. and has to have more um, support on, in a team dynamic than there, than there just is just having that one person. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> so as far as you and, and your mental health, what, what were some of the things that um, you kind of did to help you cope um, or some of the things you still do to help you cope um, when things sort of get a little rocky for you? Yeah. So uh, about 10 years ago, I got into mindset development and that was my mentors were Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell. And they had an unbelievable crew of a bunch of different Dr. Mike T. Nelson was on there and Jen Kronberg. And there was like this great crew of people um, that had come together at the time to basically present mindset development. And so when I got into that, that was my first taste of understanding how the mind works, what's actually involved in the fundamentals of it. And so from there, that's kind of how I developed, you know, what our system is today and the things we do. And so the big part of what I realized in helping to cope with it was first and foremost was self-awareness is really learning who am I, right? And and a lot of players like, and a lot of people talk about it, right? It's an awareness thing. And can you teach self-awareness and all that stuff? And there's this argument, no different than the argument was around for years that can you really teach hockey sense? And I'll argue to the day I die. Yes, you can. You know, hockey sense is nothing more, right? Than understanding that there's certain parts of the game that happen often. And can you create and create a performance and plays around that? And so it's the same thing with the mental piece of self-awareness is really where it all begins, right? Like as an aware athlete, you have to know like, okay, are you self-aware of, all right, do I know how my body is built? Do I know how efficiently I can play the game? Like, do I know which plays matter most? Like, Mm. am I really good at face-offs? Am I really good at driving the net? Do I have a really good shot that can make things happen? If I can clearly identify and become aware of, listen, you know what? I'm aware of that. I'm really good at this. Then I can build around what that strength is and create a performance around that. What happens is a lot of times with players that we don't actually go diving into understanding and becoming aware of, well, who am I really? Am I a six, five powerful driving force in the ice or am I five, eight quick footed in and out agility guy that no, I don't belong in the corners because I'm just not going to be able to go kill somebody in the corner but I can use my stick like Zorro and take the puck away and still do the same thing of getting pucks away from the opponent. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's looking at the game that way is where first and foremost is becoming self-aware and understanding who am I? What do I want? What is non-negotiable, right? And I think that's one of the things that's really important is where whenever we deal with players is understanding rule number one is, okay, what do you know is non-negotiable for you? Let's start there. 
Let's not start with what I know I want to go do. Let's just start with, well, what do you know that if you do this, it's not going to be good for you, right? Well, I know if I eat this type of food, it's not going to be good for me. But I know if I eat this type of food, I feel a lot of energy. Great. Mm-hmm. I know that if I don't get sleep, I'm going to feel like crap and my mind's not going to be clear. But I know if I get this amount of sleep, I'm going to feel great. Great. So like you start building out and looking at what's non-negotiable for you. Are you aware of, all right, seven, eight hours of sleep is enough for me? Or no, I need 10 hours. I'm more of a 10 hours kind of you know, person. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting pucks in a certain way. I know that, hey, as long as I keep working on my hands and keep it on my skill, it keeps my hands and my skill up. But if I don't do it, it my skill is going to go away. So I have mm-hmm. to work on that and keep that going. So there's that part of it where what's non-negotiable for you initially. And you, that's understanding yourself, you know, going through different exercises between knowing yourself, speaking to your coaches, to your teammates, watching your own video and really accepting and going like, all right, who am I as a player is number one is Mm -hmm. self-awareness, right? Then number two, it becomes, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Who am I choosing to be? Right. Those are the two big questions that I always look at is, as a player, who am I and who do I choose to want to be? Because that's how life is going to be is who am I is you're asking yourself, all right, who am I really? Do I, do I get upset at certain things? Because yeah, I just don't like that. You know what? That's okay that I don't like that, but it doesn't mean that if someone else doesn't like that, oh, I'm not going to put my thing on them. But for me, I know that this type of situation, this person, I don't like hanging out with you. So instead of forcing it, I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm going to go do my thing and tell my buddy or somebody like that, hey, when you're not hanging out with them, I'll hang out or whatever it is, right? Little things like that is how you start to understand who am I? What makes me tick? What triggers me? And move forward from that. Then who I choose to be, that's the mindset piece, right? The who am I is the mindful piece. Mm-hmm. Do I, am I aware of who I am and how I act and what triggers me and what fires me up or what ignites me and inspires me versus who do I choose to be as mindset? Well, okay, what am I going to do then? What am I going to set my mind to that this is what I want to become? So look at it kind of like offense versus defense. Yeah. Mindful is I become aware of who I am to defend against things that maybe I don't want versus mindset is the offense. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to set out on here's the things that I want to focus on that I want to do in order to become you know, a, you know, somebody that's worth more, has more value in the game and all that stuff. So that, those are the kind of like the big things that I look at um, as far as mentally, right? To be able to like develop and start from there and building up your base and your foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Going off that, I think, um, I mean, looking back now and, you know, where I'm at now mentally compared to where I was, um, kind of the finding your identity as a player and trying to prove that, that was one of the things that I um, struggled with and kind of got overwhelmed with. And going back to our earlier point about uh, trying to be what the coach wants you to be, that I found myself kind of trapped in the mindset of, um, you know, I'll do whatever it takes um, for this guy and to be in the lineup. And I found myself just getting the wheels beaten off me and it started affecting everything else and kind of adding the um, struggle of ever finding that identity and it made it kind of more difficult over time so I mean where I'm at now um, I've kind of 
learn to accept um, what you said about the little things that trigger you or the people hang out with and kind of distancing myself from things that not necessarily brought out um, think like negative side of me, but things that weren't benefiting me as a player or a person. And um, I just, I, I love that you mentioned that just because that was probably um, the biggest thing that contributed to me kind of getting over that hump is um, not being afraid to kind of separate myself from something I was kind of always surrounded by, by people that, you know, I thought were my buddies, but, you know, at the end of the day, really, we're just there because of being, I mean, in the team aspect, but um, I'm just glad you said that because finding myself kind of getting away from uh, tendencies and just people and situations um, and just going off of even the little things, just like what you eat. Like, yeah, it's amazing how something so little has such a major impact on, um, you know, just your mindset. Like I'm just, I couldn't agree more. And um, that was something that really helped me get over everything. Yeah. No, big time guys. Like this is the part that is really tough for a lot of people to understand is that most human beings thrive on simplicity. What's happened is, we, you know, we're in a world now, right, where it has so, informa- so much information, so many things you could be. But the problem that we run into is we're in these situations where I want to be in the NHL. I want to be at the highest level possible. And that's our love and our passion and how badly we want it. But what, what hasn't caught up with the player today versus the coaches and the whole system that it's involved in is the educational component is – well, how do I get to the point of where I want to be? Like, how do I get there by having a firm education in place? Because you guys now do so much. Like you guys do, you guys look at trying to do everything right. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to work out. I'm going to work hard for you, coach. I'm going to do whatever you want, coach. The problem where, you know, that falls into guys, right? Is that when you, when it's all about, out just coach whatever you want and I don't have my own identity attached to it you eventually lose sight because there's always so much you can give to another human being spiritually before it starts to feel like well who am I is this really for me or is this just for you coach because I'm giving you what you want but are you giving me what I want and and that's where there's a huge fundamental issue in the game because I don't care about your feelings, right? I've, I, I've heard this so many times, guys, over the last couple of years. I can't tell you how many conversations I've been on where talking to a coach and helping them understand, hey, listen, this is how the player feels. Like, do you understand? Like, can you relate to how the player feels? Well, it doesn't matter. I'm the coach. It, it matters how I feel. And I'm like, wow, you're the coach. Like, and they don't, and it's nothing against the coach. They just don't understand. But it's got to be about the player's feelings too. Like, it's got to be the both of us. Like we're in this together. You're my player. You're, you're my son, my daughter, whatever you want to call it. Like that's literally the way it is. And that's a big thing that so many coaches have not the distinction of. And and that's a big piece of the education piece right there is that no, like you feel a certain way. That's not good. How can I adjust how I portray my message to you to get the most out of you to feel good about what we're doing. So in this way I can help you instead of, 
oh, I don't care about how you feel. Like this is, I'm telling you what to do. Just do what I tell you to do. That's it. Like, why aren't you getting it? Like, just do what I'm telling you to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a major disconnect in the educational process because we didn't grow up with that. We didn't like, the only reason I'm the way I am is because I grew up with so many layers of, I wanted to be the player that just tell me what to do and help me out and never got that from so many sources coming up. And that's why now I do what I do today is because I see it. It's such an issue with players and coaches that players aren't clear on what they want. And coaches are like, well, I'm the coach. Listen to me. Fuck off. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm the boss. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, you said it a little earlier too about how, um, you know, we've talked about this too, Vince, you know, you're, you're an athlete and, uh, nowadays, like you said, when you were growing up, you just, you just were an athlete, you just played. And then when you hit a certain age, you're like, Hmm, I'm really good at this. I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, and now we're at a point where the spe- like it's an over specialization in that one sport at a really young age. So I think for people who, um, you know, didn't over specialize in a sport, um, or didn't really even play a sport mm-hmm. at a high level, um, don't understand how much is almost like subconsciously riding on your sport that you choose because you know like you said 17 for you was when you started saying okay i'm pretty good at this i'm gonna keep going now you have players quitting other sports to specialize at 12 13 years old Mm -hmm. because you have kids committing at 14 you know what i mean and it's like when you over specialize at such a young age you're putting all your eggs in one basket because Mm -hmm. if you don't hockey's an international sport there's players in finland russia czech uh, Sweden. There's also players in Minnesota, um, Boston, California, Texas, mm-hmm. who are putting all their eggs in one basket too exactly. for an X amount of spots at the division one level. If you're a forward D or goalie, and then, you know, obviously you go higher and higher, the pyramid right. gets, gets smaller. But uh, I mean, just like that, that's a lot of pressure um, time. subconsciously that like you're, you're putting all your eggs in, this, in one basket. And, and when you start to see that, um, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with that. And when you start to see like, oh, this, is, this may not be working out, it, it takes right. a toll, um, especially when you're, you know, 20 something years old and, you know, maybe things aren't um, working out. So like, you know, touch on that, how like the difference that you've noticed from when you were playing until yeah. now. Yeah, big time, big time. So like the difference of when we were playing was all of us grew up in the street playing and having fun and there was no pressure you play for hours and you train for hours. In essence, we were training. And when we were playing, you know, street hockey, roller hockey, basketball, you know, football, whatever we were doing, right? You were in essence training. It just, we were doing it in a way that had no referees. It was out in the schoolyard and we were just having fun. Mm-hmm. And you just play for hours, right? And then what that eventually evolved into was, okay, we got to do, get in the gym. We got to do all that stuff. And as time went on, we started working out and realized how important it was. And, but we had this upbringing of just play. What changed then is eventually it turned into, well, you've got to get in the gym and you got to start doing, you know, off ice stuff. Do you want to do stuff? And then it turned into, oh, wait a second. If you want to stay out of the game, you got to do lessons as well. Oh, and then wait a sec. Well, you got to keep training more and more. You got to go do summer hockey and go to go do more stuff. You can't just stay at home and do nothing. And it just created this ball of what I see now is spiritually what happened was the highly competitive athlete turned into. I'm always turned on. I'm always highly competitive no matter what I'm doing. I'm always feeling this pressure in anything that I do. So there's this, and it's not even pressure of competing to win. It's, it's pressure of expectation because 
well, now that I'm doing this, my parents or all oh, my friends have known me as a hockey player. So now, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. And you, you get in this limelight thing of here I am, this like really good athlete that is labeled as this thing. And so now this expectation of social pressure along with self-pressure, along with the pressure of the environment that you have to do this all the time. Like this is the way it's going to be. Like in school, you got to be a straight A student. Uh, at home, yeah, you got to behave. You got to do all as much as you can. You got to do all this stuff to to stay ahead of the game. Where is the time that what we had was just go play in the schoolyard and just go have a good time and have fun? Like where is it? So that's why now when they say multi-sport, I look at it as the reason it's good to go play those other sports is because there is no pressure associated with it. I know I'm bendy. I know I'm not that good at soccer, so I can just play and there's no expectation that oh I have to be the best at it. It's just, hey, I just get to have a good time and just get to play. Like, hey, I want to win, but if I can't, if I don't have a skill to dangle everybody and everything with the ball, it's okay. Like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really changed for, for the new generation is that everything is pressure. Everything is expectation. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be done. As opposed to, well, where's the time that I get downtime to just be and have fun with it and enjoy spiritually so I don't feel this, you know, in my nervous system that it's always... Go, 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 go. It's like, well, wait a second. Where's the just like, okay, I'm just going to chill and play something else. And, oh, the expectation is not the same. Like no one, no one's going to put this pressure on me to be the best at it. I'm just doing it just to have fun and a good time. And I think that's the different part for you guys is we didn't grow up with social media. We didn't grow up with all these opportunities of the best coaches and the best everything. And, and so now you guys are living through, well, we have to keep up with the Joneses and do everything. Versus for us, it was just like, dude, I'm playing roller hockey, street hockey within literally at 16 to 17. This guy sees me in North Jersey and goes, you need to leave. This guy, a, a guy, you know, this guy, uh, uh, Morgan, Todd Morgan sees me up in North Jersey and says, hey, man, you got to get out of this area. Like, you're just, you don't belong in this area. Just like that, I'm out in Arizona playing hockey, junior B hockey, because it was like a guy in the area was just like, yeah, there's no opportunity for you in the Philadelphia area. You should just leave and go play elsewhere. And it was like, like that at 17 years old. So that does with you guys, it's, oh, by there's guys that are might teams. Let's start a, let's start a, a super might team. Let's go. Like, let's, we, we need the best training. We need the best everything. Like, and it's like, what, what are you talking about? Like people always <laughs> asking me about my, my guy, like my, my son and my daughter. And I laugh at it and I go, they're going to play tier two for a while. They're going to play local. They don't need any of this. Like, it's all a farce. Like when they turn 14, 15, if they want to be really serious, they're going to go ahead of the game. And, but right now, as long as they're having fun and they're legit and they're good, I don't care. Rip it up, destroy everybody, kid, score a thousand goals. I don't care. It's not going to get real until 15 is when it becomes like, okay, it's time to start. Now let's be real serious about what we're doing. No, I think that's great. Cause uh, I mean, you, you look at parents now and, just like the hockey environment for the, uh, the younger ages. And, um, you know, some, like some of the situations I've seen, um, take place are just kind of, um, just so confusing at how they think an 11 year old's going to play in the NHL next year. Cause he's that fucking good. Like, yeah, it's just crazy how insane, how different things are. And I mean, even from I'm 25 and even when I, I was, 11 or 12 they they were um a bit hectic but 
I mean, nowadays it's like people expecting their kids to commit to D1 school at 11 and 12 and just be like this big superstar. And at the end of the day, their kid's not even going to understand that it's okay to have fun and just like Mm. be a kid. And I think that is detrimental on development because if you're doing that to a kid at 12, how long can he take that or exactly like how long is he going to enjoy playing because he's not even getting the chance to realize what it's like to just go out and be a a 12 year old kid. And, you know, back to what Danny said, uh, like parents are making these kids focus on one sport. Like these kids aren't going to know what it's like to win a little league championship or, Mm -hmm. you know, a pop Warner game. And it's, you know, I think setting, I mean, some kids obviously are different and whatnot, so are parents and coaches, but, I mean, it's sad because there are some kids that end up stepping away from hockey at a much younger age when they could have had so much more potential for a long career, but it was ruined for them from the start. And it's just – it's sad to see, but – You have to be able to release the valve. Like, that's the part, guys. Like – Think about it from your own perspective, guys. Like how many times did you just have fun where like you went out with a couple of your bendy buddies and just had a good time? Like how many times, like think about it, like put it in perspective, guys, of like a five-year window in your careers. And how often do you remember in those five years just going and having a good time with a couple of really bendy buddies that weren't that good and you just had fun with them? How many times did you guys actually go do that? And, And do you remember what it was like to go have like, it's almost like you can remember those times more than the actual pressure moments of the games and all the craziness, like at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a handful of times I did it, but I, I can remember that five for years. sure. I, yeah. five years, a handful of times. That's insane, guys. Like, yeah. we should be doing that way more. Like, why aren't we just having a good time with, like, Johnny Gaudreau is a great example, right? He, people, like, would say, you know, players, don't burn them out, all that stuff. Dude, Gaudreau locally, right, grew up. Knew the whole story, saw how he grew up. He was at Hollowdale on the ice eight hours a day. Guy would let him in, his dad, all that stuff. And he would just play for hours. And why was he different than the rest in terms of uh, just being able to handle the pressure of that? And he never overtrained. It's because he was just having fun. He just played for hours. Like it's like, oh, I got the ice. I'm just going to play. There wasn't this, oh, I'm going to go do every single, even though he played a ton of games and all that stuff, but he still had a ton of play time. Let me just mm-hmm. play and just enjoy the game and not have this pressure and this expectation of win, win, win and pressure, pressure, pressure and be the best. And that's what happens a lot of times with the high end guys is we get stuck in this vortex of we're never just having fun. We're never just, Hey, I'm not even, I'm not going to go out here and just have a good time with what I'm doing. It's always this like, Oh, it's a practice today. Okay. You got to be very focused on the details of the power play and all that. Where was, where was the time that just like, just have a good time. You're just playing hockey. Like let's just be goofy and just have fun with it. Mm -hmm it gets lost. Yeah. I mean, even as simple as like playing a game of post with your buddies or just like getting out there for a quick rip and just kind of being in your own little world like you were as a kid. And that's that's great though. Oh yeah. I I remember playing in um, when I was in the coast and PD, I played with the men's league guys. Like we ended up going and, they, you know, they, they got me gone and it wasn't like, it wasn't that great time of the year. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. I was one of those situations where I'm with the coach and 
putting me on the third line, wants me to fight all the time, this and that. And it's like, all right. And so a couple of the men's league guys were like, hey, you should come out, play with us. It was like at 10 o'clock at night. You should come skate with us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I hadn't been playing much. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go. Let's go. Let's go hang out. Go out with them. Hang out with the boy. Play, right? There's a lot of them. Like, they're a bunch of firemen. They're not that good. It's, mm-hmm. It was all good. I go out the next game, freaking bury two. <laughs> and had a blast. And it was like – and the coach was like, oh, what, what happened there? I'm like – at the time, I didn't know what to say other than I was just like, just, I was just having fun today. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. It's so important. Um, final question here, Vince, for you. Um, so, I mean, obviously, me and Flo have played, you know, pro and stuff like that. And you see a lot of players who, uh, you know, step away from the game for good and, and finally make that transition from playing to, you know, work life. So, as someone who did that, what do you have to say to, you know, those guys who are making that transition the guys who are playing for like yourself 30 years or 20 some odd years where this is all that they've done. You know, I personally know a lot of buddies that have made that transition and two, three years later still struggle and still can't find, you know, something that gives them that fire and that passion like hockey did. Um, what, what's something that you have to say to those guys who, who are either currently making that transition or about to in the process of it? the same work you put into the game is the same work you need to put into yourself into finding whatever that next thing is. Mm-hmm. Because just like playing in the game, you struggled. It was a challenge and it took a while to become really good at the game and to get a certain kind of level of mastery. Once you leave that world, the real world, if so-called, if you want to call it, there's a different kind of mastery, right? There's a different kind of thing of finding it. And for me, coaching was that next passion was that next layer where I realized, okay, that is going to get the fire out of me. That's going to help me out and to keep that flame burning and feeling that. Right. So a big part of that is understanding and really diving into who are you and understanding that it's okay to have other passions. So in today's game, I'd say to a lot of players, as you're playing, find something else that you're into, explore other things. Don't wait until you're done to go explore that. Most players wait until they're done and then go into, okay, what else am I going to find? Whereas you're playing for two, three, four years more. And while you're playing, you're in these towns, especially for players that are maybe in the minors and all that stuff or that are pros, whatever it is, right? You're in a town that loves you. You're in a town around other people that care about you. And there's this wide open door of opportunity and possibility, right? Mm -hmm. Go explore different parts, go get to know some people. And and learn about different industries and, and see if there's something else that gets you going. And if you find something else that ignites you and that you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm interested in it. Go explore that. Go learn more about it. Put time into it as you're playing the game. Now give your time to something else and don't just be the one trick pony. It's kind of similar to what they talk about with playing multi-sports, right? When you're younger, it's no different as an adult. Go do multi-professions. Like go get yourself out there and look at other things and just explore it. And yet some things you might not like to do, great. Non-negotiable. Yeah, I don't like that. Cool. Cross it off the list. One less thing that you're going to worry about. But go out there and get curious and be like a kid again, where it's like, go out and try different things out, right? Explore different parts of what you might like. And then just if something really resonates, go deeper into it. Learn more about it and see what else you can do with the game with it. And, And I think the other side of it too, besides that, is take a look at, 
is there a way you can stay involved with the game? Is there a way that you can still find a way to continue to be involved that'll help you to keep your spirit alive with the game if, if it hasn't burned you like that? Because I feel like with coaching, there's so many players that have so many good things to share that they would be such great coaches and such great influencers for the game if they still did something to help out and stay around it. Mm-hmm. So those would be the two big things that if you love the game that much, coaching and being a mentor is a great outlet to continue to help out and make you feel like you're still there. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is while you're still playing, don't wait until the last second to go figure out what you want to do. Go right away and start to just, let me try something else out. Let me see what else am I into? And literally anything, anything that you're into. And especially for those players that are playing, explore in the town and talk to some fans, talk to some people that are into stuff. Like you have a wide open window of, Hey, go talk to these people. They love you. They're fans of yours. Go see if they can help you to like kind of explore other industries and check it out and all that stuff. Don't wait until it's okay. It's done. And now what am I going to do? Get ahead of it and start to explore and just learn and, and figure out who are you and what else are you into besides hockey? Because it's an energy. We're passionate. We're competitive. You know, we love to create, There's a lot of things that life is bigger than just the game of that's it. You can express that energy, that feeling in other ways, but it's not just going to come to you magically. You have to go out and seek it. You have to go out and find it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that use the time to go do that. Explore things. If it feels like, nah, that's not me, cross it off right away. But if something else gives you kind of a feeling, go dive, go deeper, find out how that's involved. How do people work in it? How do they provide service of it in the world? How do they do it as a hobby? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is. And, and those, are the, those will be the things that I would say will be the big things between coaching, mentoring, staying somewhat, and go explore other things other than just being in hockey and that's it or whatever your sport is and that's it. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, but uh, no, thanks again for coming on today. We really appreciate it and, um, you know, being open, vulnerable. And, um, yeah, it, it uh, means a lot. And, like we said, the goal is to help other players. So um, I think this will definitely help some, a lot of people. So thank you again for coming on and speaking with us. Yeah, for there? sure. Did you guys, uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. yeah, for sure, boys. And I'm super excited that you guys are doing something like this and best of luck and anything you guys need with this, you know, let me know, obviously, because it's like, this is something that there needs to be more of these discussions and there needs to be more of players realizing that, yeah, there's a lot of highly intense performers out there that don't know what to go do with that energy. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong. It's just between the education we received and the environment, and we just haven't been given the tools. And so Mm -hmm. you guys being able to express and put that out there and help other players understand is a phenomenal thing. And uh, best of luck to you guys on this journey. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes for you guys. 